If you didn't bring a Bible with you, hold up your hand. The ushers have extra Bibles. They'd be glad to let you use one. And turn, please, to Nehemiah, the uh, eighth chapter, and then also 1 Peter 1. Nehemiah 8 and 1 Peter 1. We began some weeks ago on a series we're called The Joy of Faith. The Joy of Faith. And if you haven't been with us on these previous times, then... uh, I believe it would behoove you, benefit you to go online and get the previous ones or even in the Word Supply you can get a hard copy, disc, it won't cost you anything. And around here we have a saying, no cost means no excuse excuse for not knowing it, not getting it, not having it. Can't say you couldn't afford it. (laughs) And... uh, These things are important. The Word of God is so rich, so wonderful. Our minds need to be renewed to think like Him. And uh, His Word enlightens us. In Nehemiah 8, the people had backslidden. They had gotten away from God. And under the leadership of Nehemiah, they were coming back. And one of the things they did is they had a day where they read the Word of God for hours and hours. And then the priest came and, and taught on what had been read. And they basically had a whole day of the Word of God. And uh, the Bible said in verse 9, Nehemiah 8, 9, Nehemiah, which is the Teshatha and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. You can be sincere in your heart and yet respond wrongly to God. Even though you're sincere, you can respond wrongly. And there's a lot of talk uh, about being desperate for God. And about any number of these things. But you you must remember. The only thing that pleases God. Is faith. And faith is not depressed. Ever. Now. You know all of us have. Had situations we didn't respond the best in. We're frustrated or. You know got down. But we didn't have to. And when we were doing it, we weren't pleasing the Lord. One reason I say it is because it's taught in some churches and through some ministries that you're going to have down times and and there are times you're going to be distressed and, and depressed and that's normal and we all go through that only if you don't believe God during that time. And all of us have missed it in some of these areas, but we didn't have to then. And especially knowing better, we should stop and respond in a way that pleases God. These people were hearing the Word of God. They were convicted that they had not been living according to the Word of God. And it bothered them. 
And, and, and it should have. But what's the solution? If you've missed it terribly, you can go one or two directions. You can go, it's no use. I've messed up too bad. I can't do anything right. Well, that's just being faithless. I said, that's just being faithless, and that doesn't please the Lord. And the, it's not going to move the Lord to help you by how pitiful you are. If being pitiful moved the Lord, allowed him to act, miracles would be popping all over the planet. <laughs> it takes more than acting pitiful and feeling sorry for yourself and wallowing around in hopelessness and desperation. I know we're all human. Uh, we've all felt some of this, and all of us have yielded to some of this at different times. But when you did, or I did, it didn't please the Lord. And it didn't allow him to help us. In fact, it got in his way. It got in his way. You have to look up through your tears. You have to push past your fears. You have to get up and shake away the depression and go, I don't care. None of these things move me. God's bigger than this. I'm looking to you, Lord. I know you'll help me. I know I'm coming out of this. That pleases God. That please, you don't have to know the answer. You don't have to have a clue how. But you have to believe and trust him and be positive and have faith. Elsewise, you're not pleasing him in what we're doing. So they're sincere, but they're responding wrongly to the word of God. You'll see people in church, they cry, they mourn. How many know there's a good cry and a bad cry? (laughs) You see people, every time you see them, they're mournful, they're so sober, and in their mind, they're super spiritual. Always praying and always intense. Do you understand you could pray half the day and night and not please God in it? Do you know that? Mm -hmm. Jesus said, he warned us about vain repetitions, didn't he? Praying the same thing over and over, and I would add this, with no faith in it. Which is also one of the reasons why you keep praying the same thing over and over again. No faith. Mm-hmm. At some point, you got to believe God heard you. Yes. Got to believe if you prayed according to his word, you prayed according to his will. If you prayed according to his will, First John says, he heard you. No matter how you felt or didn't feel, the Bible said he heard you. It also said if he heard you. You have the petition you desired of him. You got to believe that before you see or feel any change. That's faith. And if you'll do it, it pleases your father. And it gives him access to act and move in our lives. You you hear people sing. I saw some people recently. they, They sang a song. And it was completely unscriptural. And the people cried and heaved, and they thought they were getting blessed. And they were just having 
a soul meltdown. Soulical, emotional is not the same as spiritual. You got a lot of folks that don't, they don't know the difference between the move of God and a bunch of emotional junk. But heaving and crying about mama and feeling sorry for yourself and talking about how bad it is and how hard it is, that's not being spiritual. That is not faith. It's not God. It's common. You'll find it in a lot of places, but it's not right. If it's not faith, it's not pleasing God, period. And if it's got anything to do with hopelessness and desperation and fear and weakness, it's not pleasing the Father because you don't have to do that. So what they tell them? They're crying. They're mourning. They're upset. What the ministers tell them? Put it back up on the screen. What do you tell them? Stop it. Quit it. Quit mourning. Quit crying. Because all the people was crying. Verse 10. And he said to them, go your way. Eat the fat. Drink the sweet. Send portions to them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry. For the joy of the Lord is your Strength. Oh, hallelujah. Joy is a force. It is life force. We're not talking about a giddiness. We're not talking about some of the stuff the world calls happiness. This is much bigger than that. The joy of the Lord actually ministers energy and life imparts, I should say, energy in life, in your spirit, in your soul, in your mind, in your body, it makes you stronger. And the more joy, the more stronger, the more better, the more gooder. Huh? Well, what does depression do to you? Just the opposite. We read in 2 Corinthians where it said the sorrow of the world works death. Now this is not just somebody's theory. The sorrow, hopeless, sorrowing, depression drains you. Joy quickens you. These are not theories. This is Bible fact. Bible fact, Bible truth. What will the truth do for you? Make you free. If you really believe these things, you will stop yielding to depression. You will stop. You'll realize, I can't afford this. And if it is bad and rough, I really can't afford it. I need the strength of the Lord to overcome this and to get through this. So I can't afford 10 minutes of being depressed to feeling sorry for myself. Because all it's going to do is pull the plug and let my strength out. I need what strength I have and I need more. So what I got to do, I got to tap in to the greater one who's already inside me. How do I lay hold? How do I plug in? How do I tap in to that? Faith. 
faith. Faith accesses, by acting in faith, you, the joy begins to quicken you and strengthen you. Said out loud, the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is, is my, strength. my strength. Let's say it together. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Say it again. The joy of the Lord is my strength. One more time. The joy of the Lord is my strength. It is my strength. It's not just up to the Lord how joyful we are. It's our choice yes. what we yield to. Mm-hmm. Didn't he tell them right here, quit mourning, mm-hmm. quit crying? Did he tell them that? Yes, he quit being sorrowful. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. You can. If the Lord told you to quit doing that, he wouldn't tell you to quit doing something you couldn't quit doing. Right. He would know it. So people will argue with you about this. They'll say, uh, you know, I've had people look at me and say, well, you just don't know what I've been through. If you were going through what I'm going through, you wouldn't be having any joy either. How do you know that? Now, I'm not claiming I'd do better than you, but I know if you and I did what the Lord told us to do, we would rejoice in the Lord always. And again, we would rejoice. Is that right? We would bless the Lord at all times. His praise would continually be in our mouth. We would rejoice evermore. We would give thanks in everything. Is that right? Can you do it? The devil will tell you you can't. This is too hard. This is too bad. You just can't. It's, it, you're just overwhelmed. He's a liar. I said he's a liar. He's not the greater one. The greater one's in you. That means you can rejoice. Come on, somebody said out loud, I can rejoice in any situation. I can. I can. I can praise God. I can give glory to God in every situation. I'm not talking about giving thanks for failure or sin or destruction. I'm talking about giving thanks for God. He's my life. He's my strength. And for every one thing that's not good, there's a thousand things that is good. It just depends on what you choose to look at. We look not at those things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Hallelujah. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. And when you're doing that, you're rejoicing. There's plenty to rejoice about. Go with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter 1. Is what we're talking about, is it relevant? Are there a lot of church going people that are just sad sacks? Huh? Uh, Is it okay? It's not okay. It actually is a bad witness. I said, it's a bad witness. We are the light of the world. We're going around depressed all the time is a dim light. (laughs) And there's a lot of folks, they're not Christians, think they don't want to be Christians because they have relatives that are. And they think if being a Christian is being like 
this one or that one in their family, then forget it. I don't want to go around judging everybody all the time, mad at everybody all the time, upset, depressed, defeated. But that's not being a real Christian. Being a Christian is being a Christian. Being a Christian is being like the Christ. And the Christ is the anointed one. And he was anointed with the oil of joy and gladness above all of his companions. Amen. Mr. Well, he was a man of sorrows for a few hours while he took our place. And then overcame it all. But prior to that and since then, Jesus is not sorrowing right now at the right hand of the Father. That's right. No, no, and when he said it is finished, he's talking about everything that needed to be done for you and I to be completely redeemed and saved and free and victorious has been done. What remains for us but praise, praise and, and thanks and giving glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are the redeemed. Yeah. We are the victorious ones. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us and gave himself for us. Why shouldn't we be smiling and laughing and shouting and giving thanks, breaking into song and dancing? Why shouldn't we be? And when people see that, I'm not talking about a bunch of fake stuff, but when they see the real thing in us, and they see it didn't come from a pill, it didn't come from a bottle, it didn't come from possessions, they'll realize that's what they're looking for. That's what, that's what you can't find it anywhere else. Hallelujah. And that is the spirit of faith. In 2 Corinthians, he talks about the spirit of faith. and He talks about troubled on every side, but not distressed. And he goes through a list. And one of them says, uh, knocked down, but not knocked out. And uh, you can't defeat a person like that. You cannot. I mean, I don't care if they're tangled up in the ropes in the ring with a bloody nose and, and on the mat. And it looks to everybody like, it's done. And they look through the blood and smile and go, I'm winning. I'm winning. I've already won in Jesus. You can't defeat a man like that. You can't defeat a woman like that. And you think God's going to let a man or woman like that go down? Trust in him. Believe in him. He'll always cause you to triumph. First Peter 1, are you there? Verse 5, 1 Peter 1, 5 says, you're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you what? Greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if you're in heaviness through manifold temptations, this is the perfect example. Can you, when you feel heaviness and you've got all kind of problems, can you greatly rejoice in the middle of that? And wouldn't that be great faith when everybody else is crying and giving up and you feel some of the same things and yet you're rejoicing. You don't believe this is the end. 
that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Whom, verse 8, having not seen, you love. In whom, though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice. Say that out loud. Believing, you rejoice. Believing, you do what? When you're believing, you rejoice. And in this case, he said, with joy unspeakable, inexpressible, and full of glory. The Lord gave me this phrase years ago, doubt despairs, complains, and is sad. Faith rejoices, gives thanks, and is glad. How am I doing in my faith walk? It's not hard to discern. How much joy do you have? How much peace do you have? The more faith you're walking in, the more joy you have. The more peace, regardless of the circumstances. And when you have no joy and you have no peace, you're not in faith anymore. You've given up. You've cast away your confidence. You don't believe there's anything to look forward to. Oh, but when you trust God, there's always a whole lot to look forward to. How many believe our best days are ahead of us, in front of us? Do you believe it? Look with me in um, John, 15th chapter. John 15, then I think we'll look at 1 John, the first chapter. Big John and, and then little John. John 15 and 10. Jesus said, if you keep my commandments, and another way of saying that is if you do what I tell you to do. And uh, in the New Testament, it's not just about keeping the law or the ordinances given with the law. It's about listening to the Holy Spirit. Keeping the, uh, the law of love and the law of faith and being led every day. And you do have to listen to him if things are going to go right. He said, if you'll keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Now, what does that mean? Abide means to live or to dwell in or stay in. You'll stay in my love. What does that mean? This is not just talking about loving uh, you loving other people. He talks about that in a moment. But he's talking about the Father loving him and the Father loving us. And... Uh, the Father loves us. God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. But he is not able, it wouldn't be just of him, to express the full measure of his love on everybody the same. Say what? Yeah. Well, why say this? Abide in my love. Let's look at it the other side of it. What if you don't do what he says? Are you going to abide in his love? No. The same? No. no. This starts with an if. If you do this, this is going to happen. If you keep my commandments, 
In the New Testament, like we said, the two main commandments are the commandment of love and the commandment of faith. And uh, if you do those, you, you will uh, walk in righteousness that all the Ten Commandments and ordinances were given to do. Love is the fulfilling of the law. But how I many know walking in love and faith all day long every day will keep you occupied? Because <laughs> you're going to be tempted to be selfish. You're going to be tempted to doubt and fear. Hmm? All you got to do is wake up in the morning and you're going to run into these things. But if you will make the choice to obey him, walk in love, walk in faith, do what he leads you to do, you will abide in his love, his manifested love. This is John 15. If you look in the 14th chapter, just a few verses before, he had said, if a man would do what I said, keep my commandments, I will manifest myself to him. Well, he is love. He is love. And so when he manifests himself to you, you're going to experience love. His love for you. And the more you do what he says, the more of his love you will experience. If you decide to rebel against him and not do anything he tells you to do, he will still love you. But he can't put his full blessing on your disobedience. Can you see this? And you won't experience the fullness of his pleasure or love because even though he loves you, that doesn't mean he's pleased with all your junk. And so you won't be experiencing the, the full measure of, of his love and pleasure with you. Now I know that some people may try to argue about this, but there's a lot of scriptures that confirm what we're talking about here. Somebody says, well, Jesus already paid for all of our sins. Absolutely, he did. But if you don't walk in the light that you have, your heart will condemn you. And that affects your faith. And anything that affects your faith is going to affect your walk with God and what you're experiencing from him and receiving from him. And that's a whole other teaching. But is it true or not? But if you will do what you know, no, not about keeping the law. It's about walking in the light that you have. If you'll do that, Jesus said, you'll abide, you'll live, you'll stay in my love. Even as I've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. One of the perfect pictures of this is when Jesus was baptized in the river. And when he came up, remember what the father said? This is my what? My be, beloved. What does that mean? He's talking about his love for the son. My beloved son, in him I am what? Well, why was he well pleased with him? What pleases God? Faith. And it takes faith to follow what the Lord tells you to do. Jesus said, I didn't come down from heaven to do my own will. I came down to do his will. The will of him that sent me. Jesus, every day of his life, 
was seeking to do what the Father told him to do. Out of his faith and love for the Father. Well, this allowed the Father to be completely pleased with him every day and manifest his pleasure or love on his life. Jesus lived in the manifested pleasure of the Father. Or to say he lived or dwelt in the full manifested love of the Father. And you and I can have this too according to how much we desire it. He said, even as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, verse 11, these things have I spoken to you, why? That my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. If there's fullness of joy, there's half fullness of joy. There's quarter fullness of joy. There's 0.02% fullness of joy. And there's 98.9%. You don't use the word full unless there is less than full. What did Jesus tell us? Do what I tell you. Please me. All the time. And you will live in manifested love. The Father's love for you. It's one thing to say he loves you. It's another to say he's completely pleased with you. Parents, is it possible to love your child but not be at all pleased with them? (laughs) Does that mean you don't love them anymore? Does that mean they're not your child anymore? Does that mean you cut them out of your will and they can't inherit anything? No, it doesn't mean that. But does it affect how much of your pleasure you can express to them? Hmm? Does it affect your relationship? It does. And it is this way with us and the Father God. It's this way. Sadness with Christians, and I know this may sound strange to you, is connected to stubbornness. I'm just going to let that sit on you for just a little bit. (laughs) Sullenness is a companion of stubbornness. When you don't please the Father, you're not going to have joy. You're going to know in your heart you're not doing what you should be doing. Are you doing stuff you shouldn't be doing? And you know he's not pleased with that. And if he's not pleased, you're not going to be pleased. (laughs) What did he say? Read it again. Verse 11. Verse 10. Let me read it. Verse 10. If. Everybody say if. If. Do the words of Jesus matter to you? If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. 
These things have I spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Now, this should be very exciting to us. I've experienced some of the joy of the Lord. Fullness of joy is another thing. And living with fullness of joy day in, day out is available to us. And living with fullness of joy is living very strong in the Lord because the joy of the Lord is your strength. The more full of joy you are, the harder it is for the enemy to do anything with you. No matter what happens, it doesn't diminish your joy. No matter what doesn't happen, you roll right over it and maintain your joy, which is your strength, and you stay in faith. But if you're weak, already sullen, already pouting, it takes nothing for you to be defeated. You're already there. The least little thing. Somebody didn't say hi to you. They didn't smile. You had a flat tire and it's it. Bad day. Bad day. You're defeated. Because man, I'm having a bad day. It's 8.30 in the morning. There's a lot of day left. Right? (laughs) Go to 1 John 1. 1 John 1. 1 John 1 is for believers. Don't let anybody tell you it's not. Beware of people telling you parts of the New Testament don't belong to you. Y'all with me, friends? Beware. What comes next? You're going to cut out half the New Testament? Mm -hmm. Then what? (laughs) No. 1 John 1, verse 3. That which we've seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Are lost people enjoying fellowship with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ? This is for believers. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. But the rest of the verses talk about, look at verse 7. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Walking in the light of what you know is right, what you know is good, endeavoring to please the Father, is connected to our joy level. And if you're stubborn and won't listen, you're not going to have joy. Like you're supposed to have. You're just not going to have it. Look in second, excuse me, third John. Just a couple of pages over from where you are. Third John, just one chapter there. Third John 2. Anybody remember this one? Beloved, I wish, I pray, I desire above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Now, 
Is this just a letter that a man wrote another man, or is this the Word of God? Well, then this is also the Father speaking to us through this man. Is that true? This is him. Does he desire that we prosper? Does our Father God desire that we prosper and be in health, even as our soul prospers? Well, keep reading. Hear it as the Father talking to you. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that's in you, even as you walk in the truth. Verse 4, for I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Is this representative of our Father? Is it the Word of God? He has no greater joy than when we walk in the light of the truth. Why would we do that? We got it from Him. Right? We're not getting any truth except through Him. We got it through Him. We got it from His Spirit. We got it from His Word. We got it from Him. And we loved Him enough and wanted to please Him enough that we're doing it. We're doing what He showed us in His Word. We're doing what He showed us by His Spirit. And He has joy with us. And when He has joy about you and what you're doing, it's going to directly affect you because He's in you. Oh, come on, can you see this? He's rejoicing about you and He's in you and that joy in Him in you is going to affect you. And you will live in His love, manifested love and pleasure with you. Can you see this? You know there's a common proverb. If mama ain't happy. (laughs) See, every one of you knew it. Every one of you knew it. (laughs) I've had preachers and Christians quote this to me. Well, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Uh, That is not a scripture. (laughs) That is not a scripture. (laughs) There is a lot wrong with that statement, if you really believe it. Number one, it's acting like mama is the head of the home. (laughs) It's also acting... Like mama is unstable. (laughs) Say what? Well, if mama ain't happy, she's going to see to it that nobody else is happy either. This is very selfish and immature. (laughs) You should see some of the looks I'm getting across the crowd. Well, is it true or not? If you get unhappy and nobody around you can be happy, what does that say about you? Not good things. <laughs> but here is a truth. If God's not pleased, nothing's going to be right. Nothing's going to be right. If God's not pleased, you won't be able to have joy like you're supposed to have. It. If you know 
that he knows. You're refusing to do what he told you to do. You're insisting on doing things he told you not to do. You know better. He knows you know better. He still loves you. You're still his child. The blood of Jesus has still paid for your sins. You're not lost. You're not going to hell. But he's not pleased with you. And that matters. He still loves you. But he's not fully pleased with you. And if he's not fully pleased with you, you're not going to have the joy and the strength because your joy is connected to his joy. Why would Jesus say, if you'll do what I say, you'll live in his love, just like I did what he said, and I live in his love. And I'm telling you this, so my joy will be in you, and your joy will be full. Why would that be so? Because of that. He's in me, and if he's displeased, I sense that displeasure. Has your heart ever been grieved over something? You knew you missed it. It's quiet in this church. Has your heart ever bothered you over something? You knew it when you did it. Man, your heart smote you. Your your heart bothered. Somebody said, man, the Holy Spirit's condemning me. Actually, that's not correct. He's not condemning you. Your own heart, your own heart is condemning you. Thing is, no matter how badly you may have missed it, you don't have to stay that way two minutes. The rest of the passage in 1 John says you confess it, you acknowledge it, and you receive your forgiveness, and your righteousness restored, and then you can get your joy back. Come on, can you see this? You can get your joy back. God's not looking at my sin. It's, It's washed away. Hallelujah. But even though all our sins have been paid for in Jesus, if I don't choose to walk in the light, I'm not going to be able to keep my confidence and have my joy, even though I'm still redeemed and God still loves me. We also should seek out of our love for him and faith for him, we should seek to please him every day. I'm bought with a price. Is that right? He bought my spirit, my mind, my soul, my body. I belong to him. Why am I here? Why am I on the earth? What what am I doing? I should be seeking to please the one who not only made me and made this planet and universe, but redeemed me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I should be seeking to please him. And the thing is, in seeking to please him, I just did the best thing for myself I could have ever done. Because when I please him, that's where my joy comes from. My joy is going to be full when I know he's pleased. Can you see that? Oh, hallelujah. Do you believe it? Let me give you another scripture too on this. Let's get established in this. The Bible said in Psalms, go to the book of Psalms, Psalm 16. I'll say it again in case you forgot it since then. Sour, sullen Christians are stubborn Christians. 
It goes together. You show me somebody who's humble and committed to pleasing God every day of their life, I'm going to show you somebody with joy. It goes together. You sense God's pleased with you. I know some years ago, I, one of the first mission trips I was ever on, I went to Central America. And uh, a group of us went out in the mountains and, and we built a small church and we had revival tent meetings and healing meetings. It was great. We were there for weeks. Some of the people got real sick with stomach problems. And, and uh, I, I thought, I, I mean, I shouldn't say I thought, I felt like I was, but the Lord healed me. Hallelujah. And, and some of them were in bed for a week and a half, but I wasn't. Glory to God. <laughs> the Lord sustained me. And we, we had some good things. I Man, we, we started one of those tent meetings and it got dark and it seemed like there was only a few people there. And I, you could start, you could feel things and feel things. And somebody turned on the light. The place was packed. We had people wall to wall, but you couldn't see them in the dark. Miracles happened. Healings, deliverances. Well, there was upheaval in the government. There was a bunch of stuff happened. But we're flying back. I was flying back by myself, looking out the seat of the commercial jetliner. It was nighttime. I was tired and been weeks. I was looking forward to being home and and I just said, thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done. And he spoke to my heart. He said, thank you. Thank you for going. Thank you for doing what I told you to do. And my head says, no, he didn't say that. My heart said, you know he did. And, 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 and I just sat there and, and tears of joy came down my face. And when I realized he's pleased with me about this. Oh, Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. When the Lord's pleased with you, the grass is greener. The sky is bluer. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about? When the Father is pleased with you, you are living in another level of his manifested love. Oh, hallelujah. And that gives you joy. Joy, not a little shallow thing, but a deep strong joy of the Lord. Well, who's it up to how much of that we experience every day? It's so easy to get caught up in the mundane routines. Get up, go do this, come back, do it again. Have to do this, have to go there. And never ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? And there are millions of Christians. The Lord told them to do something. And they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't leave a particular home or geographic location. They wouldn't change jobs or professions. Or they, they wouldn't. They just wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. And ever since then, they have been joyless. You can't help but be. Because even though you know he still loves you. You know you're not in his perfect will anymore. You know he's not fully pleased with you. How can you be happy about wasting 25 years of your life? Friends, there is nothing worth forfeiting God's pleasure with you. Amen. There, there's no amount of money. There's no friend or family member. If they don't care enough about you, to hold on to you, to pull you away from the plan of God, then they don't care much about you. 
And the greatest thing you ever did for your family and friends was go all the way with God. You will not be able to help them to the degree you can unless you do. I had family members, well-meaning people, my pastor, come up nearly 40 years ago now, try to get me not to go on the path Phyllis and I went on. Tried to tell me. One of my pastors pled with me, said, we need you here. We don't have that many young people that are interested in serving God. I need you here. We need you here. One of them said, well, isn't the Holy Spirit your teacher? I said, yeah. Well, can't he teach you here? I thought, well, I guess. I didn't have all the answers. I just knew, Phyllis and I knew, we're supposed to leave home. We're supposed to leave family. We're supposed to go out to Brother Hagin's ministry and the Rama. We didn't know why. But several people tried to talk us out of it. What about your family? What about this? What about the other? And some of those folk, it took 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. But some of the very same ones patted me on the back and said, boy, you did the right thing. <laughs> Man, you did the right thing. I was tempted to say, if I'd listened to you, I wouldn't have. But I didn't. And some of the very ones that tried to talk us out of it in 10 years, 15, 20, 25 years time, we were then in a position to minister to them and help them and we would have never been in that place if we hadn't a left them and followed God. Oh, holding on to what you know and refusing to follow God is dumb. It's dumb. It's like clinging to a penny when you could have had millions. <laughs> Phyllis and I were talking about today, you know, we we're able to, on your behalf and, and the rest of the ministry, sow that seed into their ministry. And when we left Branson, excuse me, not Branson, uh, Oklahoma, we had a little hangar and we had a little plane and it was paid for and, and we, we had more meetings than we could get to and, and, and God had just given us our house. We'd been, Phyllis and I had been believing for a house for 15 years and we got it. It was a miracle. It was an outstanding house. It had a tennis court. It had a big pool. It had marble floors, had a six-car garage, and we paid a third of what it was worth. I mean, it was a miracle. It was a miracle. And, and Phyllis wanted the all-stainless kitchen back then. Still popular, you know. And it cost thousands of dollars, so what do you do? We believed for it. Months went by, and I guess it was about a year and a half or so, somebody walked up and handed her an envelope full of money and said, the Lord said, you're believing for something. This is it. Well, it paid exactly for that completely remodel of the kitchen. She's got brand new, all stainless, and the Lord says, leave. Go to Branson. I mean, she hadn't had it three months. And we just got our hangar and got our, I got the plane paid for it. Well, over a period of weeks, this is going over in our spirit. Are we really going to do this? It's taken us 20 years to get to the place we are here and the associations we have and the friends and, and the connections. And how many understand it takes some time to, to do some things? And, and we didn't know anybody, nobody over there. 
And it's a small, small town. And I knew the airport was little bitty and it had boulders on both ends. And, 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 went down, and you couldn't have a hangar. And I was thinking, what am I going to do? We're going to have to drive an hour to even get to an airport. All this is going, one morning I'm shaving. All this is going through my mind. And the Lord spoke to me. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but inside he said, Keith, do you believe I'm able to do better for you than this? Because what am I doing? I'm, I'm hesitating to turn loose of this. To go to what? Well, it's completely unknown. <laughs> right? Are you going to have this? I don't, it took us years to get this. This house, it's a great house. Phyllis just got her kitchen. The Lord said, Keith, do you believe I'm able to do better for you than this? I didn't hesitate. I said, yes, sir, I do. And that's it. I'm through thinking about it. Here we go. <laughs> Phyllis was there the same way. We sold that hangar, put the money in the new church. We liquidated everything, went and lived in a little rent house that the uh, water didn't work very good in. <laughs> And it took some time, took some years. But Phyllis and I were shouting this week, the hangar we got now, the plane we got now, woo, better. You'd have to talk in tongues to say how much better. Better? Better? Don't tell it. What if we had clung to that little stuff? You'd have never known about this. Come on, can you see this? And besides that, the biggest motivation should just be I'm going to please God. Yeah. If he wants me over here, I'm going over here. Yeah. If he wants me to do this, we're doing it. Yeah. Right? Turn loose of this. Abraham went out. Not knowing. Not knowing. Not knowing where he was going. Was he glad that he did? Yeah. Did he wind up with better, with more? Oh, yes. can't even begin to tell it. Like the stars in the sky, like the sand on the seashore. God gave it all to him. Clinging to something, refusing to obey God, is dumb. <laughs> dumb. <laughs> and you're not dumb, are you? Are you? We're we're not. So, come on, say it. Say I'm not dumb. I'm I'm not dumb. <laughs> God is so good. We have just been overwhelmed at the goodness of God in these these days and, and weeks and. How many believe it's not going to get less in the days to come? It's, we're just going to experience more. And by, in fact, the Bible says throughout the ages, God is going to reveal to us the exceeding riches of his grace. We've just barely begun to find out how good God is. We're going to keep experiencing greater degrees of his goodness throughout the ages to come. He's never going to peak. <laughs> Even after 10 zillion years with him, he's never going to say, that's all folks. That's, that's it. That's, <laughs> you've seen it all. Mm -mm. There's always going to be more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I mean, think about the universe. How far does that go? We have no idea. He's bigger than that. He made it. That's right. It just keeps on going. Thing about it, we're going to have plenty of time mm -hmm. to find out. Yes. Yes. But we should start believing it right now. Yes. 
and experiencing more degrees of it right now. Right now. Matthew 19 and 16. Let me give you just a couple of examples here. And I think we'll, we'll be finished for the evening. Said one came to Jesus and said, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Keep reading. He said to him, Why do you call me good? There's none good but one. That is God. But if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. Is it important that you do what the Lord tells you to do? Yes, it is. So there's some folks who are trying to say that it's not important. That the only thing that matters is that Jesus paid for all our sins and that we're righteous in him. And whether we please him or don't or obey him or don't is really, you know, not that big of a deal. He's as pleased with us either way. Well, that's just not true. He still loves us. But our relationship with him is as living and dynamic as your relationship with any other person. And you're going to tell me that no matter how you treat them or whether you're with them or for them when they need you or you're not, doesn't affect your relationship? Doesn't mean they write you off or quit loving you, but it does affect your relationship. Doesn't change your relationship, it affects your fellowship. Is probably the better way to say it. Doesn't do away with your relationship, but it does affect your fellowship. And the key to full joy is full fellowship. Amen. He said, uh, if you'll enter the life, keep the commandments. Keep reading. And the man said, which ones? Jesus said, you shall do no murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And of course, Romans says in our covenant today, keeping the love law fulfills all of these. And it does. If you love somebody, you're not going to steal from them. If you love somebody, you're not going to kill them, right? That's what he's saying. The young man said, all things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said, if you'll be perfect, go and sell what you have. Give to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. Now, he came because something in his heart is pushing him. I, I need to do something. I need to. He heard Jesus preaching and ministering. And when he heard it, it stirred him to his core. And he goes and talks to Jesus personally and is able to do it. And he said, what do I need? And, and after the Lord told him, he said, what else do I need? He knew inside him, I need something else. And the Lord said, go liquidate Give to the poor. Come follow me. He's not telling him to take a vow of poverty. Are you with me? People have tried to make something out of this and it's not there. But what he did do is put his finger on his God. You can't serve two masters. And the only way to prove that this is not your master, there ain't but one way to prove it. Is to completely Get away from it. Now, of course, if he'd have sown that in faith, what would have happened? He'd have come back to him. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. But it wouldn't be his Lord anymore. When the young man heard that, what happened? What happened to him? He went away what? Where's his joy? Can you see this? 
He's completely loved. When he came to Jesus just a few verses back, he's excited. Man, he's, can you see it? He's stirred up. Good master. Man, the words he's hearing in Jesus' ministry, it has thrilled him. It has stirred him. He knows there's more. He wants it. Eternal life is real. Reward is real. And he comes to Jesus and he says, what else do I need? I'm ready. I'm ready. And the Lord said, good. Liquidate. Come follow me. What's it time to do? Come on, help me out. What's it time to do? Liquidate. And follow him. But what did he do? Sorrowful. For he had great possessions. Sorrowful. No joy. See when you. When the Lord gives you light. What to do. And you balk. And you decide not to do it. You're going to lose your joy. And the danger is, if you go week after week like that and don't repent and don't do it, and month after month, what happens if you're not a doer of the word? You deceive your own self. After a while, you're unhappy, you're dissatisfied, you don't have peace, you don't have joy, and you don't know why. You don't know why. I go to church. I, uh, you know, I love God. I, uh, I don't know why. It just seems like there's something else. Well, yeah, he told you what it was. <laughs> but see, it's dangerous not to do what he tells us to do immediately. Sorrowful. Went away. Defeated. Holding on to that stuff and that money. Was that dumb? Was it dumb? Well, what could he had? Jesus is saying, you got a place on my team. Come with me. Riches, perhaps his name could have been in one of the foundation pieces in heaven. Riches, he had no idea what he blew off. But it proved his heart. Oh, he's willing to go with the Lord to the ends of the earth. No, he wasn't. It was just talk. It was just hype. When it came down to it, he wasn't willing. And when you're not willing, you're not going to have joy. Let's look at another one. Luke 19. Maybe you like this one better. <laughs> Luke 19 and 1. <laughs> Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, and all the kids know he was a wee little man. He was chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And when the Bible says you're rich, you're rich. He sought to see Jesus, who he was. He could not for the press because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. Isn't that what the song says? Zacchaeus, back up to verse 5. Zacchaeus, hurry up and come down here, for today I must abide, that means stay, 
at your house. I guess maybe he spent the night or spent a little time. I'm going to stay at your house. And Zacchaeus made haste. He slid down that thing like a fireman on the pole. And he came down and he received him joyfully. Why is he so joyful about this? You're going to see in just a minute. Because he is willing. He is willing. He wants to hear what Jesus said. He wants to please God. He wants him to come. Willingness. Remember the scripture talks about draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. In fact, I was going to, we were going there just a minute ago. But uh, just hold your place right here and put up Psalm 16. Just hold your place in Luke. We're not done. Psalm 16, 8. I have set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. I shall not be moved. That means I'm always looking at him. I'm always waiting on him. I'm always ready. I want to hear what he says. I want to do what he says. Keep reading. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices, my flesh also shall rest in hope. Confident expectation. You got joy, you got peace, you're resting, you're full of expectation. Why? Because I've always looked to the Lord. I'm always waiting on Him. I'm always ready to go for Him. Verse 10. For you'll not leave my soul in hell, neither will you suffer your Holy One to see corruption. We know that applies directly to Jesus, but it also applies to any kind of hell you might have to deal with. Is that right? And what else? You will show me the path. No matter what situation, the path of life and in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand... There are pleasures forevermore. Is this not right in the middle of the perfect will of God for you and me? It is. How do we draw near to him? With a willing heart. I said a willing heart. What, What holds it up? Stubbornness. Stubbornness. The Bible said that the rebellious dwell in a parched land. A dry land. God sets the solitary in homes and he brings them into prosperity, the Amplified. But the rebellious will dwell in a dry, parched land. Does that sound like joy to you? No. It's not. You can have your way. You can be hard-headed. You can do whatever you want. You can refuse to do anything the Lord says. But it'll cost you. Doesn't mean God has written you off. Doesn't mean he hates you. He still loves you. But you know. And he knows that you know. That you refuse to obey him. You refuse to follow him. You'll live in a dry. Joyless. Place. Life's too short. To live in a dry. Joyless place. Is there anything. Worth forfeiting. God being pleased with us. There is nothing, no amount of money or stuff or even though we love people, not them either. Don't choose anybody over the Lord. It'll only break your heart. It'll only steal your joy. And if you care about them, you want to be able to help them. And the only way you can help them to the fullest extent is to go all the way with God. 
Say it out loud. In his presence. It's fullness of joy. Well, how do I get more in his presence? I'm willing. My heart. You do it with your heart. It's not about moving to a, a geographical place. How do I get closer to God? It's a heart adjustment. I draw near in faith. I draw near in willingness and readiness to please him. Do what he says. Go back to Luke 19. He said, Zacchaeus. <laughs> I'm sure Zacchaeus thought he wasn't even in the Lord's mind or sight. He's up above. He's in the tree, you know. He's kind of incognito. He's hanging up there in the tree. And the Lord comes by and he says, Zacchaeus. I bet he about fell out of the tree when he said that. He knows my name. He didn't say man. He said, Zacchaeus. Hurry up and get down here, boy. I got to go to your house today. <laughs> and uh, what did Zacchaeus say? Oh, no, no, no. You can't come to my house. Uh, you may not know it, but I'm a publican. <laughs> Is that what it said? Back up. He was not just a publican. He was chief. <laughs> Of the publicans. That means he's not a nice guy. I'm going to say, say what? Yeah. If you read the rest of it, these were kingdom tax collectors. And they could collect at their discretion. In other words, the rules were just kind of loose suggestions. And they could just look at you and go, you owe 500000 what? What? It was 20,000 last year. Yeah, but it's 500,000 now. And their intent is they're going to pocket half of that. And the people hated them. Well, you would, right? They just strip you clean and there's nothing you can do about it. And all they got to do is go tell the authorities they won't pay their taxes. And here comes the soldiers. Take everything you got, including your kids, yes. and sell you and your kids for slaves. Mm -hmm. And take your farm, take your house. So they were hated. They were hated and despised. Could God love a man like that? He said, Zacchaeus, I'm sure Zacchaeus about fell out that tree. He said, get down here, boy. I'm going to your house. And what, what did the Bible say? Verse 6. He hurried up. He came down and received him what? Joyfully. Joyfully. Why has he got so much joy? He, he's willing. He wants to hear this. He's ready. In fact, different from what the Lord told the rich young ruler. Keep reading. They murmured. They said, he's gone to be a guest with a man that's a sinner. I told you they hated him. They said, what? Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house? That dirty low-life thief? And the Lord didn't say anything to Zacchaeus about liquidating. Or giving any money to anybody or doing anything. 
And yet Zacchaeus stood up and he said, Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I'm going to give to the poor. He's happy. He's joyous. And if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, why bring this up? Because he has. I'm going to restore it to him four times what I cheated him out of. And the Lord said, no, half is not enough. You must give it all. No, he didn't say that. No, the Lord said, no, you can't have all that money. Love me. No. What did he say? Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house. For as much as he is the son of Abraham. Do you think Zacchaeus was one happy camper? You think he was rejoicing and exceeding? See, when your heart's right and you're willing, the Lord doesn't even need to ask you some things. You're ready. You're ready. And it comes up in your heart. Nobody has to talk you into it or twist you. Do I have to pray? Do I have to serve on a team? Do I have to tithe? You don't have to do anything. You don't have to do one thing. But if you want to have joy and peace, if you want to experience the Father's pleasure on you, it's not about doing what men say, but it's about listening to Him every day. And when He deals with you, don't hesitate. Remember like he told me, you believe I'm able to do better for you than this? Say, yes, sir. Here we go. Here we go. I will gladly sow it all, give it all, do it all, go anywhere. Come on. Is that your heart or not? If your heart is willing and ready and obedient, you will experience his manifested love. You'll live in it and in his pleasure and you'll eat the good of the land too. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, glory to God. Oh, lift up your hands. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I worship you. Lord, I give you glory. Lord, I magnify your name. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.